Father, we just thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit today. We thank you, Father, for every single father that's sitting here today. Would be fathers, grandfathers, fathers. We thank you, Father, that you have given us life and life more abundantly. I ask you just to prosper them, bless them, pour your spirit upon them. Give them wisdom, knowledge, revelation, and understanding of how to deal with the issues of the day. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm not sure how many of you have ever remember me coming here a couple of years back. But um, since then, I have written a book. <laughs> yeah, God is incredibly... I never ever thought I'd write a book. I always used to tell people, listen, if you want to read my book, you know, talk to me. Because I would say the Bible says that we are walking epistles, living testaments of God. And the Lord said, yeah, that's old. <laughs> you're not going to do that anymore. You're going to write a book. I thought, oh, God, I don't even know how to write a book. So I wrote a book. It's called The Prophetic Path. It's part of my journey of how I encountered the Lord, or should I say, how the Lord encountered me. Because I wasn't expecting, I never had it in my mind ever to do what, what I'm doing now. My whole mission in life, I was in the South African Special Forces, uh, like your Navy SEALs, and I was in the Israeli Special Forces for three years, and 12 years in the South African Special Forces. And my mission and job was really to introduce people to God, but just by another means and another way. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and he's right. But I, I found another way you can introduce people to Christ, but it's not really an effective way. So, you just have to work out what I'm trying to say. And uh, I was really messed up my whole life. And uh, then one day God just intervened. Actually, it was truly by accident that I, well, on my part, by accident that I came to know the Lord. Um, my wife and I got married, and I was at that stage an alcoholic. And uh, I got really hammered one night, and we had an argument. So, instead of getting violent and brutal... I decided to take a walk down the road to get away from home so I don't do anything stupid. And in our, in our country on Sundays, we had what they call blue laws, and so there was nothing open. No shops, stores, anything like that. It was all closed. Walking down the road in the town, just trying to get my head straight. And there was a movie theater. And the lights were on. I thought, that's what I need. I need a movie. So I went to this movie theater. And it seemed like there was a wedding in this movie theater because there was musicians and music and people were dancing and hands and all this stuff going on. I thought, I said, wow, waiting for the bride and groom to come in. So I crashed this wedding thinking that I was going to get a free drink because, you know, when you're an alcoholic, you're always looking for an opportunity to get some libation. And uh, I thought, well, I don't know where the bride and groom are, but... I walked around looking for the drink, and there was no drink. I thought, well, there's something wrong with this wedding. It must be a dry wedding. <laughs> anyway, there's a dude playing the piano, and, and he stopped playing the piano, and he called and said, you in the, strange enough, I'm wearing a blue shirt today. You're in the blue shirt. Come here, and I'm looking at myself. Well, I'm the only guy. Oh, I, I thought I got caught wedding crashing. And he called me down, and he said, your days of wildness and running around are over, says the Lord. For I have put a bit in your mouth and a bridle on your, on your head, and I, I'm going to restore you. And I fell on the ground. And I lay on the ground thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to kill people today. That guy on the piano and the guy that tripped me. 
See, I'd, I'd never been inside a church before. I never knew anything about Christianity. I grew up a total atheist. My mom was a Jew and never practiced any religion. And so I lay on the ground. I couldn't get up. There was this weight on me. It made me very angry because I'm an agile. I'm a mover. I'm, I'm quick. I can do things. I'm trained in hand-to-hand combat. Krav Maga. I'm self-defense trained. And I'm laying on the floor. And there's nobody. And I can't explain why I'm on there, but I'm angry. And this weight comes on me. It's like a wet blanket. Which today I know is the kabad, which is the presence of God. The weightiness of God's presence. And you know, nobody from the church or the wedding came up and said, Are you okay? They just left me. Made me even more angry. And I just lay there. And what I did... When I was training in the special forces, we trained at sea a lot. And they train you in what they call hypothermia, where they let you go into the freezing cold water. and you, Like you see your buds, your Navy SEALs. They train you so that you can cope with dealing with freezing cold water so you can do your mission without getting distracted. Because everything when you go in hypothermia slows down. Your, your breathing, your brain function, everything slows down. I lay on that floor and I, I know I went to hypothermia because what happens in hypothermia is... You go from panoramic vision to picture format vision, like you hear, like a camera, click, 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 click. And so I saw my life from the day I was born. I saw every incident in my life, like a, almost like an album that rolled in front of me. And I lay on that floor, saw my whole life before me. And when I woke up, it was 4 o'clock in the morning, and the lights were off, and they just left me on the ground. I mean, there was no love there, man. I'm telling you. So I came back the next week, but this time I brought my Beretta with me because I was going to minister to some people. <laughs> my Beretta. What's a Beretta? Guys, what's a Beretta? Again. <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. And I was ready to minister to some people. And, and the pastor called me out and he said to me, called me out by the Spirit prophetically, and he said to me, God has called you, and he's called you to the nations, and he's called you to sound the trumpet, and you'll be a voice, and you'll be a, a mouthpiece for him in the nations of the world. And so I looked at, I don't know what that was. I had no concept of what he was talking about. So he said, have you met Jesus? No. You want to meet Jesus? Yeah, where is he? Bring him. And so the next minute, he said, well, pray with me first. All right. And so I prayed the spirit. I don't even know what I prayed. He said, you've met Jesus. I'm standing confused. No, I haven't met anybody yet. He said, but however, I want you to know, we don't really believe in this stuff in this church. Everything you just did to me, they don't believe in the church. He said, the church doesn't believe. He believes it, but the church doesn't believe it. He said, you need to go out and find your way with Jesus on your own. This is the story about how I found, or should I say, how Jesus found me. Delivered me from alcoholism, violence, murder, hatred, malice, anger, and brought me into his kingdom and made me now a representative for him. And since I've come to America, God opened doors for me to go to Senate, the Congress, the DOD, the State Department, during the Clinton and Bush administrations, where I ministered to just about every single person in the Pentagon. I was actually supposed to be in the Pentagon on 9-11. I had started a Bible study with four generals in the Pentagon, which ended up being 400 soldiers. 
by the time 9-11 happened and I never went back. 9-11 was the last time I was supposed to be there and I wasn't there. And the Holy Spirit used me in all those capacities. Not, most of us not been in the church. I've done some church stuff. I've done a lot of conferences and so on. But most of my ministry ends up in the highways and byways. And for the last, since 2002, I have a consulting business where I consult with businessmen and executives. I don't promote. I don't advertise. I wait for the Holy Spirit to bring them. And I go and work with them, oil companies, uh, airplane companies, um, Sabre, American Airlines, Southwest Airlines. And I work with the executives. And what I do is I do what I call strategic intuition. is to find out the plan and the purpose that God has for them and direct their path into that. It's fascinating. Every single guy and executive I've worked with, whether they knew the Lord or not, by the time we finished, they know the Lord. And I don't preach the gospel to them. I show the gospel to them. I live the gospel to them. So I want to encourage look, there's a couple of books left. I mean, the first service, they gobbled them up. But there's a couple of books left. But if you want one and there's not enough here today, I'd encourage you to go to Amazon.com and look for it called The Prophetic Path. I'm not trying to sell books, people. I'm trying to give you a life experience. And you can actually, I put in here methodologies of how you can encounter and how you can hear the Lord and how you can know him. Because I know the church doesn't teach people how to hear God. I'm sorry to say it. We don't equip the saints nowadays. I travel to multiple churches, and I'm, I'm heartbroken at about the condition of the way people are. You know, they're just in the state of like, most of them are in what I call an identity crisis. Don't know who we are in the Lord. I wake up every day. I know exactly who I am in God. I've come out of horrible things. And you know, no matter what the battles have been in my life, I've always known that I can trust the Lord. Hey, I've been backstabbed by people. I've been lied to. I've been lied about. I've had people try and kill me. I've had people try and deport me. I've been honest with you. I've had guys troll my house wanting to kill me. And I've done nothing to them. But I know what it is. It's the spirit of the enemy. But I'm not worried. Because until God says, okay, you can come home, it's not going to work. You know what I mean? Because he carries the keys of hell, death, and the grave. Nobody else. The devil doesn't. Anyway, that was just for free. So my encouragement is to you. Who of you like to read? Only a couple of you? Uh, your hand went up first. So here's a free book for you. Happy birthday. Happy Father's Day. Make sure he reads it. I tell you, it's good toilet material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for you guys who are battling, <laughs> it'll really loosen you up a little bit. <laughs> Sorry, Alan. That's probably why you didn't bring me back for all those years. <laughs> uh, I believe we should be joyful in the kingdom. We should be free and released and not all baptized in pickle juice. I have fun. I have fun in the kingdom. I enjoy what God has put inside of me. I know what God's, and I love it. You know why? I, can, I don't know anybody. And God shows me things. Like I was saying to them this morning, earlier service, I went with my wife yesterday to Joanne's to get some material. And when I walked to the counter where they do the cutting of the material, the lady there, the moon I saw, I knew by the spirit that she had a spirit of death on her. And I thought, oh. my wife said, what's the matter? I said, she said, well, just let me get my material cut first. 
because I know this is going to be a snot bubble session. I know it's not the word you're supposed to use in church, but I'm sorry. We are the church. And uh, so after she material cut and measured and she got a little seat in it, and I said, lady, I'd just like to share something with you. The Lord has told me that you have a spirit of death on you and you're depressed and despondent and things have gone on in your life and left you in this position and desperate hope. I mean, she started immediately. I grabbed her hand and there were people standing behind me and I didn't care. I'm here about the Lord's business. I grabbed her hand and I started to prophesy to her about her son. I started to prophesy to her about the future that God has for her, the hope that he has for her. And when I finished, that spirit of death was off her and that woman's color came back into her face and she came around the counter and she grabbed me. She said, I so needed this today. I'm so thankful God sent you into a fabric store to speak to me. I mean, come on, seriously. What's guiding in a fabric store? How many of you guys go to a fabric store? I've never been in one. I was so amazed. Wow. What do people, what do, people do with all this stuff? Because you can buy your clothes in a store ready-made. Why do you have to get fabric? <laughs> now, if it was a gun store, well, I can understand that. Anyway, I'm not on, that's not my message. Sorry, I'm, I got off track. Can I share a message with you quickly about um, what God has empowered you with? And the ability, the credibility God has given you to see. Could you go with me in your Bibles, that's to the book of John, chapter 9. It's Genesis, Exodus, John. Nine. <laughs> None of us were. The guy said, how are you signing? He said, you, you don't know where your Bibles are. I said, well, let me say something to you. So I never really read my Bible book. I normally do it on computers. So when I tell the computer, John, then it just goes there. Well, that's not very good as a minister. You should know where the books are. I said, well, I know where they are. Yeah, it is. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> John chapter 9, verse 1. It's talking about Jesus healing a man born blind. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Isn't it amazing how people, especially religious people, always subscribe a reason for why something happened? Well, you know, you were bad, and so that happened. That's God's judgment against you. Yeah? You lost your job because... You know, you just didn't deserve it, and you did some bad things, and so God's judging you. So when people tell me that, I said, you know what? I first think that I want to encourage you to not be stupid, because stupidity is not a good thing, because Jesus Christ took the judgment of man's sin upon the cross, and I don't believe God's judgment is to discipline you like that. I believe God's judgment today is grace. All right, now you all went quiet on me. He said the grace word. Because grace gives you the license to sin. People are afraid of grace because if you have grace, then you can go and sin. And people are afraid that you're going to sin. So they teach you, well, you've got to watch out. You can't have too much grace. You've got to balance it. I want all the grace I can get. What I'm just trying to say, it's very easy to subscribe the reason why a person is going through hardship and a problem. Well, you're going through that problem because you did this. Am I right? Because that's what the devil wants. He wants you to be condemned. All right, so hopefully I made a point there. Anyway, Jesus answered, It was neither this man's sin nor his parents, but also the works of God might be displayed in him. Sometimes when things take place in your life, it's not all about the devil. Sometimes it's because God wants to reveal himself to you through the situation and reveal himself to those around you through your situation. 
It's the demonstration of God's works in your life. The fact when I laid on that floor that day and the, the, the kabad was on me, it wasn't because I was a bad person. It's because the love of God foresaw to move me to that place so that I could experience His goodness and His grace and His overwhelming love for me. And yes, it was a horrible experience. I felt embarrassed. I felt shamed. But it wasn't because I did anything wrong. It's because the love of God reached out and pulled me in to His purpose. See, I was never looking for God. I actually didn't even know there was a God. I thought I was God. Because I had control over my life. Nobody messed with me. Nobody walked. Gave, nobody gave me shade. They were too afraid to give me shade. I had a real wild man spirit on me. I don't know if you remember the years and the days when they had the movie called First Blood with, with uh, Sylvester Stallone. No, you don't remember that? I'll show you a picture. I don't have it with me. I'll show you a picture of me. I look just like him. Wherever I'd walk, people say Rocky. They don't call me Rocky. I'm not a Rocky. So I, I walked and I had a spirit of intimidation that walked before me. And I knew it was there because I'd experienced it when I was younger because I was tired of being beaten up and brutalized. So I made this thing walk in front of me. So people stayed away from me. All right, so just for free. So it wasn't really the man's sin or his parents, but it was that the works of God might be displayed. The day God fell on my life, it's so that the works of God can be displayed in my life and in those around. Because my family knew me as being a despicable, wicked, horrible, vile, malicious person. And after the encounter with the Lord, they saw the change. They asked me, what happened? Are you on medication? No, why? Because you were bipolar before and you were a whole bunch of different people. And now you sort of seem to be nice. I always thought I was nice. Oh, no, you weren't nice. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Well, once he left, we became the light of the world. We carry within us this gospel message which set the captives free. And when he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay with a spittle and applied the clay to the eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which translated means sent. And he went and washed and came back seeing. You know, I know that's just a story and it sounds great and people say, well, that probably didn't happen. I think it did because there's accounts of it continuing. I think, I think Jesus came and demonstrated God's love to the rejected not to high society, to those that were rejected in society, to those that had no meaning in society. But I love the metaphor of how Jesus spat on the ground and made clay and rubbed the man's eyes. And I said, and I said to the Lord, God, what does that mean? And the Lord said to me, when I created you, when I created Adam in the Garden of Eden, I created him from clay. And then I breathed in his nostrils and I gave him a living spirit. That's why when Jesus did this miracle, what did he do? He spat on the ground. He mixed his DNA into the ground and rubbed it in his eyes, recreating new eyes. And gave him instructions saying, go and wash yourself in the pool of Siloam, which is the water of baptism. So what happens is when you were unregenerate, before you knew Christ, the Lord came to you and he put his DNA in you, which is the Holy Spirit. He took you through the water baptism. He washed you and cleansed you. And when you came out, you had different perspective of vision. You could see things you've never seen before. You could walk in a dimension you've never walked in before. 
you're no longer just a physical being, but now you're an eternal spiritual being. And you carry within you great weapons of warfare. And you're seated with him in heavenly places, above powers and principalities and rulers of darkness. And you're hidden in him. All that in one thing. I love doing what I do because I know there's days when I'm hidden in Christ. And people don't contact me. I said, God, today, God is a day when I'm hiding in you. I don't want to hear from anybody. I need a break. God also allows you to have a Shabbat, a Sabbath day of rest. I take many of them. Because why? Because when I go minister, I pour out. I don't just give a religious dissertation. I pour out my spirit. I seek the Lord. I press in. I spend time with Him. I I do the effort and energy to get the gospel, to get the message. I, I pour through the scriptures. I depend on Him. I wake up early in the morning. I prepare myself to hear His voice. I was up at 4 o'clock this morning praying, asking God, what do you want me to share? Why? Because I take this seriously. As much as an athlete takes his game seriously. As much as a police officer takes his game seriously. As much as a guy in the military takes his game seriously. I do. Because to me, it's not just about ministry. To me, it's about life. Because when I come to you, I want to come to you with a message of life that when you walk out here, that you're not going to walk out the same way you came in. We have the power through the DNA of God, to spit in people's life the DNA of Christ into their fleshly clay model earth. And you can change their life with the word of God. Because that's what it is. It's the DNA of Christ in us. I loved how God introduced his DNA into clay. The most weak thing on earth. You ever try to build a house of clay? It moves all over the place. It's weak. There's no structure in it. But he put his DNA in the weakest thing. And he said to the enemy, this weakest thing is going to overcome you. And that's what I did. So we may be weak because we flesh, but because we're spirit, we're strong. There's days when I wake up and I feel so weak, but I realize that when I'm weak, the Bible says that he is strong. And so I can call on him. I can call on angels. I can call on provision and opportunities. I, for the interest sake, I was sharing with pastor this morning, I, for the last almost three months, have not ministered. I was dealing with, I was blown up in a landmine in 1979. And I got what they call a traumatic brain injury. And so last year, just when I finished writing my book and I published it, I got tremendous problems, terrible, terrible headaches. And uh, misfiring through my nervous system and body when my joints have got just like this. And so I thought, well, what I probably need is I need to slow down and take a break. And so the type of ministry I have, I don't have a, I don't have a job. I'm not employed by a church or organization I have. I live by faith. And so I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to trust you to heal me in this battle that I'm going through right now. And so, Lord, because I'm not working, I'm going to call on you to make way for me and make provision for me. And I left it at that. And I said, God, the Bible says God meets your need according to your measure. My wife and I, we make our monthly measure exactly what we need to pay our bills and what we need to have on the side. And God has met our measure every single month, whether we work or whether we don't work, whether we're ministering or whether we're at the beach, because we come into agreement together and we present God with our measure because he said, I will meet your need according to your measure. And so for the last couple of months, God has made a way to meet our measure. I don't know why I'm sharing this. This is probably somebody that needs to hear this. You can get down and do business with him. You're, you're his child. You are his property. 
You breathe the breath of God through your nostrils. If there was no breath of God, you wouldn't be alive. And so you're very valuable and important to him. And you are his ambassadors on this earth. I'm not intimidated by the political situation in this country. Guys, well, what's going to happen when the economy crashes? I don't really care. Well, that's very cold-hearted. I said, no, because I depend on God's economy. And uh, let me just say something to you just for your sake. If the economy crashes like it did last time, somebody's going to get their checkbook out and write a check like they did last time. Car industry crashed, insurance crashed, banks crashed. Who wrote checks? Federal government. Why? Because they know if the economy crashes that the wealthy lose their power because their money goes, and then they're all like us. <laughs> and they don't want that because the bottom line is they become poor, then you have a revolution. And I said, you've got to understand how economies work. They're not going to allow it. to. They'll probably let it flutter a little bit. They'll probably let people lose money. That's fine. You know, most of the economy is all controlled and derived by man. So, so, but the kingdom of God economy is not. Now, I'll tell you why. I'm going to share for one minute and share a story with you. So last year, December, it was really a bad December. And uh, it was slow financially. And uh, a rancher called me from down Mason. He said, hey, man, I want you to come down. and got some boys down there. And I just want you to minister to us before Christmas and just share the word of the Lord with us and speak to us about the new year and hope in the future because all that political stuff was going on and the guys were really concerned about the future. And so I drove down. And driving down, I got angry and I said to God, you know what, I wished you would sell a couple of the head of cattle that are on the hills that you own. Now I know that's very disrespectful, but I have a relationship with the Lord like that and I can talk to him like that because he, he, he won't fall off his throne. Oh my gosh, she spoke to me horribly. And so I ministered down there the weekend. It was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And when I finished on the Sunday morning, we had baptisms and all that kind of stuff. And all the ranch hands were there. We baptized them and so forth. This old boy, this big, one of those big hats, big old belt buckle, boots. Real cowboy kind of guy. Sweet, sweet, sweet man. Stood at the back of the corner, just waited till everybody was going to come in and says, Well... Now, I can't do that accent, guys. I thought I would. <laughs> he says, my wife and me woke up Wednesday night. The Lord told us to sell our breathing bulls. I said, okay. He said, and God told me to give you the money. And he walled out this wad. I mean, it was about that big. I, I didn't even know how much it was. And put it in my hand. He said, that's for you. He said, now, I'm at the cattle business. I said, well, I want you to know that the Bible says that if you give to a prophet, in the name of a prophet, you get the prophet's reward. So here's what I want to say. God's going to give you wealth from the land. I don't know what that meant. I went home. I parked off. And I counted this money. I was, I was, uh, it was 25,000 times more than what I expected. I was, I was embarrassed, shocked, and I felt a little bit stupid. And then God said to me, you griped on Friday. I sold the cattle on Wednesday. Needless to say, I had a good Christmas. <laughs> so the funny thing is, I get a call from the cattle guy in January. 
Because during this time, I prophesied about the economy and I spoke to him about, spoke to these guys about what God, God getting ready to do. He and Jerry said, hey man, they just discovered oil on my ranch. I just want you to know that your word came to pass. Not even a month. So you can never outgive God. If you just understood that the DNA inside of you is the same as the DNA of God. And if you understand that God is a father like you are, right? And God himself took care of his son because him and his son are one. And in, in John 14 says, Father, we are one. I'm in you, you're in me, and the Spirit is in both of us, right? And that relationship is an ever-ongoing relationship. And so everything that's needed in that relationship is taken care of in that relationship. Likewise, you're in that relationship because Jesus said, I've given them back to you, Father. So we are now with the Father, in the Father. Anything you need is in the Father's capacity to provide for you. And that's all I have to say about that. So, Father, I thank you that you spat on the ground and you gave the man new eyes and new vision to see in a whole new way. I ask you to do it today to us. That you take off the blinders of culture, you take off the blinders of fear, the blinders of embarrassment and shame, and you give us the eyes of Christ that we can see and we can know and we can see like you in Jesus' name. Now, while I was talking, God gave me a name of a man. I'm not sure if a man's here, but your name is Greg. Is there a Greg here? Is there a Greg? Do you know a Greg? Oh, he's not here? Well, the good thing about the word, the word is spirit, and we can send the word to Greg. So can we send the word to Greg? Would you be okay with that? I'm not being freaky, spooky spirits. I'm being real. So I send the word to Greg. You're probably recording this, right? So Greg, the Holy Spirit has anointed you and has given you authority and the capacity of leadership. And there's a business that you're involved with that God says there's going to be a dramatic shift and it's going to change, but it's going to change to the benefit of you. Because Lord says he's opening up supernatural doors and he's taking away the hindrance. And he's closing down some things that have held you back. But he's releasing to you the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Giving you wise counsel and wisdom and understanding to teach those around you how to do principles of the kingdom in business and how to prosper. And how to be kingdom administrators and kingdom oriented businessmen. To hear from the Lord pertaining to what to do and how to do it. And God's going to give you the capacity even in your family, says the Lord, I'm bringing a change and a shift. In your children, in your family, I'm bringing a phenomenal shift and change. I'm bringing your kids into the fullness of the knowledge of the kingdom. I'm not going to disappoint you and let you down, says the Lord. Because you've been faithful a little, Greg, God says, I'm going to make you faithful much. You can be a man of means. God says, you have a heart for the broken, heart for the poor. You're going to do great works in this region and many other regions, says the Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Is there, do you know the guy? Oh, okay. 
nomás. There's that lady back, Hope. Is it Hope? Could you stand up? I just want to share something with you. Um, you know, I signed a book for you all along, but when you stood in front of me, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you that God is busy opening up an opportunity for you. And I don't know what you're going through. I have no idea, but I want to say to you something that He's getting ready to change your circumstance and bring you out of where you are into a new place in Him, not only relationally with Him, but also personally. I don't know what's going on personally, but there's been, there's been a spirit of strife that's tried to work against you. And I just break the power. And I'm not sure where it comes from. It's a family member or it's a person around about you. But I just say today that God has shrouded you and preserved you from anything that would try and prevent you from worshiping and serving Him. Do you have children? Do you have a, do you have a daughter? Do you have a boy? Three boys. Oh, Lord Jesus, pray for in Jesus' name. <laughs> Your eldest son, what's his name? William. Okay, I'm glad his name is William because this is kind of funny. I had this in my spirit and I just didn't know who it was for. William is on a, on a mercy mission seeking God in a different way. And even in his name is the answer to the question he's looking for. Because if you break the name down, William, the first part is, will I? His question is, God, will I? And God says to him, the answer is, I am. And the answer to your son's questions is that the Lord is the solution to the desire and the need and the purpose in his life. And your son's going to set a new tone, a new sound. He's going to start setting some new desires in his life because God's going to speak to him. God's going to speak to him in the night hours. So I just bless you. And listen, your inheritance and your heritage is great in him. And you're not to be ashamed or afraid or worried about your future and where you're going to go because God has you. Because you've been faithful, God has you. He's going to take care of your family. In Jesus' name. Is that okay? Now, you know, brother, I prophesied of you once before. I know that by the Spirit. I don't know that by my mind. Have I done that? I prophesied of you before? No? I probably did by the Spirit. But I want to say something to you. You've been sent from many places to this place. The reason why people came to a place with you where they walked in relation and they said, you know what, that's enough, and they moved you on. But God says you'll, you'll not fall out of favor here. Your favor is going to grow. Your capacity is going to grow. Your anointing is going to grow. And the things that you have in your heart to do, God says this is the place that you'll do those things. Not only as far as worship, but as far as teaching, preaching, and ministry is concerned. And there's going to come a day. Are you working in private industry at the moment? Do you have a job? There'll come a day. There'll come a day when the door closes on that and God will open a door for you for full-time ministry. There'll be provision. There'll be anointings. There'll be grace. And there'll be an anointing for you to write worship music. Your own sound. The sound that God's put inside your heart. The sound that's not been heard by many, but a sound that's going to be heard by you. You can put it down on paper and you start worshiping and singing. You start doing the thing that God's put in your heart. Uh, disappointment has followed you quite a lot. And I just break the power then in Jesus' name. And I want you to know that you're faithful and you're a good man and that God has grace for you. You're hard on yourself and God says you need to press into Him. He has some things He wants to walk you through to bring you into a whole new place of identity. He wants to grow you in grace and power and authority.
and the prophetic anointing of a psalmist is on you. And that means a whole lot of things, but I would encourage you to go and start researching and studying the life of David because a lot of that pertains to you. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now, one thing about the prophetic word is when you prophesy, the word goes this way, but it also goes this way. So the word is direct, but it's also omniscient. So sometimes when you prophesy, I think of a person who witnesses with your spirit. You grab hold of that because it's the living word of God. It's spirit. It's life. Okay? So you grab hold of it. This young gentleman with the blue shirt and the little yellow things on your shirt. What's your name? Jared. You know, I don't know what, how old are you now? Okay, now, I just want to share something with you. Okay, I don't know you. But there's an anointing on your life, a creative anointing from God. And God has given you the power to create wealth. You're probably in that place right now where you're deciding your future, what you're going to do. Don't decide to go and flip hamburgers at McDonald's. Are you going to college? Do you have plans? Where you want to go? Okay. That's exactly the call in his life. I was going to tell you, that's what God's called. It's a creative anointing. The power to create wealth. God's going to give you technology and research. He's going to open doors for you. Don't ever give up education to study. Push in. Because God wants to do something totally brand new with you. There's things inside of you that are going to come out one day. They're going to be creative things. And they're going to be things that the culture has needed. It's almost like Nehemiah. When the wall needed to be built again, God had a man. His name was Nehemiah. That is you. When there's technology that's needed in the world and society, the technology is hidden in you and it's going to come out. It's like a seed, but there's going to come a day that it's going to come out. And I want to encourage you, don't lose direction. Don't be distracted by women. I'm, I'm being honest with you because that's what the enemy does. He sends a woman. With all respect, I'm not going to be funny. Well, no, he does. He sends when you're still... You know, you're still cotton mouth when you're young and it sends a woman and you're laughing. And you lose your direction. <laughs> women are powerful, man. You just got to watch them, dude, okay? Make sure your mama balances. Make sure she's the right one for you. But I'm telling you, there's an anointing on your life, okay? And you be that man that God has called. That be my My brother, the police officer, I want to say something to you. I was driving one day in Grapevine and an officer pulled up this car with uh, four or five different guys in it and as I drove by the Spirit of the Lord said to me stop and pray and so I stopped and I prayed and I started to pray for the safety of the officer's life and um, at the Grapevine Police Department I'm actually on the HEB I'm actually a number seven sniper on the sniper team for the SWAT team I was speaking to the police chief one day about the stop I said there was a stop by the railway line I said, and I just had this thing in my heart about stopping praying for the officer. He said, you know, it's so funny. He said, those guys were members of, I think it's M13. Is it a gang? Yeah, MS13. He said, their plan was to kill an officer. And what happened is, they had attacked nine. And the bottom line is, when the officer came up to confront them, the weapon jammed. And we were able to arrest them all. And he said, I think your prayers stopped them from taking that man's life. So I want to say this to you. I pray, for, I, I pray for police officers a lot because you know what? I think it's imperative that we have these men serve and protect us. And they put themselves in danger for us. 
I want you to say, in Jesus' name, Father, I pray a shroud of protection of my brother. Lord, that no weapon formed against him will prosper. Against his family. And even against his fellow officers, Lord. That you put your spirit inside of him. Give him wisdom and discernment to know, okay, I need to back off. I need to call in support. I don't need to go into this thing alone. So, Father, I pray for wisdom for my brother. Also, I pray, Father, for his family and his children. That you point your spirit upon them in Jesus' name. I thank you for this man's service. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I know I don't want to take too much time because I know you guys are all wanting to get to the restaurant before the Baptists. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> so, I'm just going to give a blanket prophetic word to everybody so that you know that you've got a word. I believe, because there's such confusion in our nation at this time, I believe God wants to bring a spirit of wise counsel and wisdom in His saints to know what they pursue. Not to pursue the wiles of the games in the world, but to pursue the heart of God. So the time and the day when the confusion has come and this nation and people in disarray, that there's someone that has the voice and the sound of God in His voice. So I declare to you today that God will speak to you, either through words, song, prophetically, through dreams, through visions, anything to bring to you the knowledge that the Holy Spirit has separated you out of the world so that you can be the light of the world. Now pray whatever circumstance you face, whatever's coming against you, to know that, that those things don't have the power to destroy you. But they sometimes have been sent to equip you to be an overcomer. So I release the anointing of the Holy Spirit and I pray today over all your families, your children, your children's children, the future generations, that you will always know the Lord and you'll never turn your back or your heart against the Lord ever. That you'll be filled with the wisdom and the capacity and the knowledge of the Holy Spirit in peace. In Jesus' name.